the more and more I travel around, the more I see that there is this, um, well, it's a divorce, really. Like they're divorcing from themselves, yeah. Mm-hmm. And and everybody is adopting pop culture as everything. All the culture has to be compared to pop culture, and so then everyone loses their identities, and it's really sad, really sad. So what you're really talking about is helping people decide what their identity is going to be instead of allowing culture to script it for them, and it's really powerful. to the Home and Family Culture Podcast, where I'm interviewing guests who are making a difference in home and family culture. Today on the show, I have Nicolene Peck, the founder of TeachingSelfGovernment.com. So I hope you'll enjoy listening in on our conversation. I did have a little bit of technical difficulties, so you're kind of coming in on the middle of our conversation. So just kind of pretend like you're like eavesdropping on the conversation and then you get kind of interested and, oh, what are they talking about? <laughs> so we just kind of missed Nicolene introducing herself and her, and her website and, and what she does. But we were talking about the importance of home and family culture and and how it creates an identity for our kids. So I hope that you'll enjoy and thank you for your forgiveness of my ignorance a little bit around the technical difficulties and enjoy this conversation because it's really amazing, really insightful and I really loved what Nicolene had to say. Nicolene has several books and audios and videos and also seminars and retreats available through her program and so you can check out more of her work on teachingselfgovernment.com or if your parents happen to miss giving you any kind of core you know values or, or things that you can compare to well this is right or wrong and not just use law because legal things change all the time right. if you just use what's socially appropriate you may end up delivering a very uh, sandy foundation right yeah, yeah. so um so anyway and and that's what's happening a lot in society yeah, today because people time. well because people are saying well what's you know what's correct according to society right yeah. um what is What's politically correct? What is pop culture doing? What are the people that we're idolizing doing? Um, Instead of going back to what are the wise people? What have they done? You know, we're sort of erasing past the past in our in our um, plans for the future, which Uh is. Uh, a scary thing to do. But anyway, what happens is the parents end up really passive then. They just ride alongside the kids and they don't actually help them form an identity. And then they throw these big concepts at their children and say, well, hey, what is your purpose in life going to be? What are you going to do? You're going to be so great. You're this genius. You're going to do all of this stuff. And the child's like blown like what? I think people are believing a lie about me. How come I haven't figured that out yet? How come I don't know where I'm going? Do you see what I mean? So it's incredibly overwhelming. And so then... um, Um, One of the only things that seems meaningful to a lot of people nowadays is like, you know, how they relate to each other in the bedroom. So they put a lot of their focus there and try to figure out who they are based on that, which really um, doesn't have a whole lot to do with who you really are. Yeah. 
so I'm like, okay, we're we're really getting uh, slightly That's off track dumb. here. Sort of changed topics on us, but I feel like it relates to creating a family culture and and. You know, I know that that's our plan is we're going to family culture, but, but maybe we can say why it's so important first. And, and in my mind, that's why it's yeah. so important, the happiness yeah. of the person, you yeah. know? And, and creating an identity, creating that, the unity of the family and of the culture at large. You know, like yeah. if you're going to – do you know who you are at home? Like you're saying, oh, what are you going to be when you grow up? Well, actually, I already know who I am, so I can go out into the world and embrace this purpose that, that I've been given. Yeah. Instead of growing up thinking, gee, I don't know who I am. I'm going to figure that out now before, you know, before I grow up. And so, yeah, yeah, that's that's so true. It starts in our homes and being guided by the roles that we live in our homes. Yeah, well, and think, think about mothers just quickly. Let's say a mother is overwhelmed all the time, okay? And I don't want to make any mother feel bad because I know everyone deals with different things, okay? And, and some people have a higher tendency to stress and to get overwhelmed and all that kind of stuff. But let's say a mother is overwhelmed all the time. Uh, let's say she doesn't look like she enjoys um, being a mother, let's say that she gets frustrated and she flip-flops in her principles back and forth and she doesn't know what to do. And and she would be the first to tell you, I don't know what to do. I want somebody else to take over. This is This is killing me. This is too much, right? So if a mother is in that frame, if she is doing that, what is the child going to see as a source of happiness for their future lives? Do you think they're going to see it's being a parent or a mother? No, for no. sure not. <laughs> yeah, for sure not. So so what do you think would happen to that mother then if somebody told her, well, when your child has a tantrum, here's a skill you can use. This is a skill they can learn so that they can learn how to disagree appropriately with you. And here's a skill you can have so that you know how to talk to them and they know you're going to use it every time that they have that same problem. Um, and so you don't you don't have to get worried anymore because now you're all on the same page. Now you've all deliberately decided that this is how you're going to problem solve as a family. And these are the skills you're going to do. Think of the freedom that that gives that mother because then all of a sudden she can set the example that she wants to set for the child. Yeah, because I think a lot of times, a lot of the stress as a mom, especially with little kids, is sometimes it's just the ambiguity even as your kids are getting older, the ambiguity of what you're supposed to say in situations that are are confusing. And mm-hmm. I like I did also like that about roles your book, like to describe, oh, this is if we repeatedly come up with the same uh, language in a discussion, then we're gonna know what to expect. And that makes mm-hmm. it so much easier to understand your roles and, and get rid of the ambiguity of I don't know what's going on, or, you know, just wondering how is this going to play out, I th- you know, when you're dealing with teenagers and, or, you know, whatever, even our own feelings. Like if we, if we allow that to, the, our feelings to go run amok, then it's confusing. Yeah. Well, more than that, too, the whole family is full of anxiety. I mean, that's what happens, too. So you, so you end up having, anxiety. like you said, this ambiguity of, you know, everybody's confused, but also everybody's a little bit on the defensive and a yeah. little bit worried and a little bit more emotionally attached to every word out of everybody's mouth because 
they don't know what the impact for them is going to be. And especially the children, because the children know mom and dad are bigger and they know mom and dad could say anything and it could change everything. And especially if there's no rules for the communication. So my children, if I were to have a bad day, which I can honestly promise you has happened from time to time, you know, normally I'm pretty darn self-governed, but, but like maybe I had a bad moment one day and I just started saying, Hey, listen, you know, what's the deal? Blah, 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 blah. You know, and I'm getting after, you know, my child, my children would look at me and say, mom, can I disagree appropriately with you? Oh, immediately that's going to bring me back to earth. Right. right? And then I'm like, Oh yes, you can. And then they'll say, mom, I know right now you're really stressed because of whatever X, Y, Z, but your tone is really kind of bad. And you're really not giving us instructions the way that you usually give instructions and you're being really critical right now. Wow. And I'll be like, (laughs) You're so right. Okay, I'm so sorry. Let's try that again. Okay, I need you (laughs) to whatever it is. And then I give an instruction the way that our family knows that we're going to give an instruction. So that's part of our family culture. That's what we decided. And a big part of family culture is deciding who, how you're going to handle things, how you're going to discuss and so that it supports who you're supposed to be, that role you're supposed to have. That's amazing. That's really what family culture comes you know and the work that you're doing to help families to develop their family culture is to understand the language and the relationships to help come up with systems and visions for how you want your family to look because I feel like that's a big part of what family culture is is when you have an idea of how to be prepared for different situations how to be prepared for the future and what you want your family and your children to look like or to you know, their goals, their life purpose. We've covered, you know, because we've talked about all of that. Oh, yeah. And, um, uh, and that's what part of what your work is. I mean, that's a big part of what your your work is. Yeah, it's huge. If you, if you look at, if you look at culture, just what culture is. Okay. So, um, the word culture comes from the Latin culture and culture means to cultivate. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so, and if you, if you look up my, one of my favorite books is Webster's 1828 dictionary. And if you look up in that book, it says, um, that to culture means to nourish, to strengthen, to correct, Okay, and to train. So when you are when you have a culture in your home, that means that it's a place where a person will be trained and taught. They'll be corrected. um, They'll be nourished. Right now, if you look at the scientific understanding of a culture. So what's a culture in science? Okay, so in science, you have a little Petri dish that this is going to be your culture. You have an organism or multiple organisms in there, you give those organisms something to feed on, right? Mm -hmm. As they feed on that particular whatever it is, the nourishment that you give them, they grow, they expand, they change, they transform, they become something greater than they were before, or at the very least, they reproduce. All of a sudden, they they make more of themselves, Uh right? So that understanding of a culture is massive as well because it, there is a feeding that takes place. You just have an organism until you fed it. And once you feed it, you have a culture. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so in your home, 
The reason why you have a culture is because the idea is that you're supposed to be constantly nourishing. To nourish, you have, yeah, and growing. So to nourish, you have to be teaching and correcting. Both. You have to do both. That's part of the nourishing. Um, Every family has a culture. Everyone. No matter what. Um, Some people's cultures are completely wild. It's like a patch of dirt where the weeds are just growing, you know, and that's it. And that's the culture. And then there's other cultures that produce. They don't just have a wild, you know, wasteland. They actually are really producing things on purpose. They're saying we want pumpkins. We want tomatoes. We want, you know, we want stuff that the world wants. We want stuff that are, you know, things that are going to be able to go out into the world and they're going to further nourish and strengthen and we're going to be able to send it out, which means that we actually, in our culture, in our family, we pull the weeds out, you know, we get action to grow what you specifically want to grow. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I watched this one tutorial, just, just a little tangent. I watched this little tutorial about how to grow watermelons. And you uh-huh. know, there's like male, female things going on with how to grow a watermelon. And if they don't connect, then the watermelon doesn't grow. And like all of these different things about the environment that the watermelons are growing in and all this stuff. And I was blown away. I was like, what? You don't just plant a watermelon seed and like, <laughs> I mean, it takes, it took a lot of work and there were a lot of rules and a lot of, of, you know, purpose. Well, well they need Space. They don't yeah. like to be by oh, other ones. True. Oh, I've messed that one up. You know, I'm like, how come my watermelons are only like four inches in diameter? What's the problem? Right? Like, oh, maybe they didn't have enough room. <laughs> you know? yeah. There's a very, there's deliberate, uh, yeah. you know, ways that you have to grow a watermelon. And that's the same thing with our families. Like there, if you, if you want your family to grow up, to be fruitful, and to be something more, then you have to be deliberate about the rules and the the desires, the purpose, and and the work that you do, p- plucking out the weeds, and intentionally growing what you want to grow. And yeah. that's that's what to me culture is about. The family culture is that you're not just you know. I think a lot of people just rely, like you were saying, on pop culture or even their school teachers. Or, you know, yeah. the, the kids' friends, you know, they're just relying on, on their kids' environment to to raise them and not and underestimating the power that they have as parents to cultivate their children with well, a home yeah, and environment a, that will help them to grow up. <laughs> yeah, sorry, I was trying, I was like cutting okay. you off. I know, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Um, so, okay, so okay, I like what you're saying there, Um and the thing that pops into my mind immediately, especially when you mentioned like teachers and, and social and stuff, is I don't know if people realize this or, or how many places in, in the world yet that this is hit or, or in the United States specifically where this is hit. Um, but many, many places around the United States are going purely digital for school. So it's like they have these things called one to one in our state. That's what's called. Um, and they're not it's not approved necessarily in our state, but they're trying it out and it's happening other places. And they're giving every child like a device, like an iPad or something. And then 
that device ends up becoming the teacher and then the teachers are just the facilitators to make sure they learn how to use the devices and things like that. It's a very interesting, interesting. concept. And I think if I was a teacher, I would be very offended. But anyway, right? <laughs> yeah, because I, I know my so dad, who's a lifelong school teacher, he's like, what? That cannot replace a person. But anyway, you know, technologically, we can do so many things. We just keep trying to push the limit, right, right. on all of the technology. So, but I'm looking at that. And um, and then I'm pondering uh, on these families that I talk to regularly. You know, people will contact me and say, hey, um, you know, I, I want to talk to you about something. What do you think about this? You know, or, hey, this is what's happening in my house. And um, so often a huge percentage of the time, the biggest problems happen to revolve around technology and addictions related to technology and such. And um, they'll say, well, I can't take away the tablet um, because he has to do his school on the tablet and the school has given him the tablet. And so they have to have the tablet because otherwise he won't be able to do his homework, you know, and this kind of thing. And I'm like, do you see what when the school sends something home, a book, a tablet, uh, whatever the parents just automatically go, well, it must be good then. It must be okay then. Instead of saying, um, you know, I know that one in 10 people have a predisposition to actually have an addictive nature to their personality. So I wonder if my son could be the one in 10 of the 10 people I know. Maybe I need to take a look at that. Maybe I need to set some boundaries. Maybe I need to say, seriously, I will sit by you when you do your homework. And then that thing stays with me until it goes in your backpack to school tomorrow. You know, and I mean, there's just things that parents are less letting slide because everybody's doing it because everybody's endorsing it. And it is, it, it's um, robbing the families of their culture. It's eroding um, the very organic, natural way that people raise their children. That's incredible. You know, I think I heard one, t one time, um, I don't know if this is actually true, but like that Steve Jobs and other uh, electronic, you know, computer they actually send their kids to Waldorf schools where they don't. Yeah, get they it. do. Have you heard that? That no, that, it's true. It's that true. They, they, where they don't get electronics until they're like twelve or something like that. I don't know how old, but as mm -hmm. kids, as young kids, they they don't get exposed to electronics. I think that that's really interesting. That these people who are endorsing, you know, creating, endorsing, and will uh -huh. you know have a definite benefit from you know having kids be addicted. to <laughs> Those yeah, devices don't want their own children to have those things. Oh no, they know. They know. <laughs> they know what robs a person of their own ability to think and their uh, identity. That's their identity. Oh, you know, if it their is. identity is wrapped up in that, and then they they actually aren't creating identity at all. They lose. They lose. Yeah. They and they become. They become uh, attached. They feel like they can't be who they are without that thing. It's so sad. Um, in fact, I don't know if you've noticed with your friends. I I get around a lot, you know, and I know, and I make a lot of friends, different places, all different walks of life, in all different countries. And what I have noticed is that the very um, educated. The very, uh, usually the more wealthy, the more educated, the more elite type family, you might say. I hate to use that word, but it's true. But <laughs> I mean, in the, you know, 
Well, yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah, affluent type <laughs> families, exactly. The ones that, and the ones that have a higher um, level of education are the ones who I've noticed their toy rooms are full of wooden blocks, cloth okay. dollies, wooden marble tracks, okay, huh. things like that, right? And then I have, you know, other people I know who maybe don't have as much education. Uh, who maybe, you know, don't have as much money or whatever. And they have way more toys, like tons and tons of toys and video games and media. And, and it's like all the toys that make the noises, all the digital toys. And, all the, you know, and I found it very funny as I look at this. I'm like, okay, so we have these children who are more affluent and they have way less toys and they're like wooden and it's funny that the wooden toys actually cost more than the other toys, okay? And then, because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's they're marketed for their group, you know? Right. And then you have these people who, you know, don't have as much education and they have filled their child's lives with electronics like you cannot believe. And I think in their minds, many of them probably feel like, look what a great thing I've done for my children. So I have a, a great friend and she's mother of many children. She's got 12 and and when I first met her her children had you know quite a bit of time on different you know xboxes and things like that and then soon she took that away from them she said you know what we we actually have an addiction I didn't realize that but we do and she said to me she said you know Nicolene I felt like you know my children like this I was doing a nice thing by buying them things that they liked and I never knew our relationship could be so good until that thing went away. (laughs) I was actually driving them away from me, you know, and I'm like, oh, bless her heart, you know, for, for taking the plunge and getting rid of that kind of thing. And, and so what she realized is that what I thought was being nice was actually not as nice as what I should have been doing, which was giving them a no answer. But that means they have to learn what, how to accept a no answer, which is a skill for success. Yeah. 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 There were a couple of thoughts that I had in your description um, was that a lot of times parents don't know what to do with their kids if mm-hmm. they don't have them constantly entertained. And um, and so that's that's hard. And so it's, I'm grateful for things like what you're talking about because it's, I think it's helping to educate parents to know how to allow kids to be bored or to allow them. You know, I think that one of the beautiful things about the wooden blocks and things like that is there's there's – silence and there's importance in mm-hmm. that silence there's there's beauty in that silence and and the more that i i've been studying and learning about like mindfulness and meditation or things like that there needs to be a silence in your life mm-hmm. and a time to absorb what is happening around you and that mm-hmm. starts with kids you know i think that if they have those kinds of toys in their world then they learn to naturally to sit in in that state of silence and just be and to listen to their own thoughts or observe what's around them and be present. You know, that's something that doesn't happen very much, you know, I think. And that's, again, with going back to parents who don't know how to to parent without having the devices and things, we haven't learned how to just allow ourselves to be present and to just Mm -hmm. be without those kinds of things. It's, It's challenging. Yeah, it is challenging. You know, I just took my kids to a pediatrician, and she asked, you know, how how much TV screen time do they get? And I try to limit it because I know I'm trying, you know. And, um, you know, because I notice, too, that my kids get really uptight when I try to take it away. 
Mm-hmm. And and she said, well, a lot of parents notice that, but they don't do anything about it. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's so sad. You know, I just think that that's that's. But it's hard. It's hard. I can see how it's hard. But but um, you know, that's part of why I'm interested in this topic about family culture is helping conscientious parents to learn what we can do to change our family culture in order to help our kids to to learn and figure out who they are and their identity and what who yeah. they are in in a family and then and then therefore in the bigger picture. Yeah, well so, I think you know step number 1 is you actually have to get rid of the noise in your own life, right? Right. And and that's the hardest part because we now have a generation of parents who were raised with the next new technological thing, the next thing, and the next thing. And it was just technology was a huge part of their upbringing and what was new, the new, the new, the new. And so they're wrapped up in it. They're texting and iMessaging their, their friends and their people and they're getting all of their news from their devices devices and they're you know and they and they need it for business and they need it for whatever they order the groceries on it you know they and they go to pick it up i mean you know how it is yeah, like that's yeah. happening nowadays okay and so and so there's this um there's so much industry that happens on the device you cannot help but feel productive even if you're using it in the way that it's intended Okay, so we in our family, we call these things tools, not toys. Okay, and so we use them like tools. But even if I was to keep using mine as a tool the entire day long, that would be wrong because I would not be nurturing my children nor myself. And in order to know anything greater than yourself, you must have time to ponder. You have to. And you're right that uh, we're missing that starting at such a very, very young age. Uh, the the TV started that for the grandparents now, yeah? So the grandparents that we have now, they were raised with this TV coming. And so every time they would come home from school, um, then it started to be they would turn on the TV and the TV would be on for a good portion of the night. And then and all of us were raised that way. And, and so there's just always this noise. I meet these people that are older and they say, well, um, I'm not really watching it. I just leave it on so that there's noise in the house. And I'm like, really? That's weird. Cause like when I get in my car, I can't wait to just have silence. (laughs) That's interesting too, because in your book, the family house United, you talked about how family culture is basically what you default to. And, you know, and I think that that's something that we need to reprogram in our families is, is when we get home and we want to decompress, can we decompress by reading a book or meditating? Or do we have to have the TV on? And that's a question we need to ask ourselves a lot of times is, Mm -hmm. do I decompress by going out in nature for a walk, for a hike, you know, and the benefits that that has, you know, that's multifaceted and the benefits that going outside Mm -hmm. can have, you know, and Mm -hmm. Or, you know, whatever our default is, that's something that, that I'd like to help people to reprogram and to think, mm-hmm. what, what is our, what are, what do I naturally gravitate towards? And, yeah. you know, I think that we want our kids to grow up to know who they are and to be literate, literate and to be able to connect with nature and with silence and with, you know, things like that. And so that's what I'd like to help people to reprogram is like mm-hmm. being conscientious about what we're doing when we come home. Are we coming home to chaos and arguments and 
and you know losing that identity you know and things like that or are we coming home to you know rest <laughs> conversation with Nicolene. She has so much insight about how to talk to our kids, how to develop a powerful home culture with the way that we communicate with our kids and the way that we convey to them our feelings about our roles as parents and teachers. I want to go back to something that she'd said about, she talked about mothers and when the message that we convey to our children if we show them or make them feel like we don't like being a mom. Um, that's a powerful message right there because the way that we act around our kids will convey the message of how we feel and the attitude that we have for behaviors that we expect from them. When we convey to them that we don't like being parents, when we convey to them that we don't like to learn new things, we don't like to read books, we don't like to go to church, or we don't like to um, anything, whatever it is that we act as though whatever it is that we're doing is a chore, then they get that sense that, that it is a chore and it's not fun and it's not worth doing. If we don't like to eat our vegetables, then they're not going to want to eat, our, eat their vegetables. If we don't like to go for a jog, then they're not going to like to go for a jog. And we don't necessarily have to like going for a jog, but taking care of our bodies is an important example that we give to our kids. Taking good care of our minds to study, to read, to watch quality entertainment, consume quality entertainment. Those kinds of things are part of our family culture. And we convey that message to them by our examples. And we help them and inspire them to have and adopt those behaviors. It could be good manners or it could be any of those things. All of those things influence our, our home and family culture. And all of those things are relayed in our behaviors and in our attitudes. And the thing that I love about Nicolene's work is that she teaches parents how to have the language and the skills in order to get rid of the, what she said, the ambiguity, get rid of the anxiety, get rid of the stress of how to raise a family. She has created what could be classified as a handbook for instructions of how to raise a family. And her message is very clear and very powerful. And it's something that anybody can do. And it's and she is helping families all over the world. I know she does work for the UN and for and for governments and and organizations all around the world. And she's doing a really powerful and wonderful work. And so I thank you for listening in on this conversation and I hope that you were able to learn a lot from Nicolene, and I hope that you go to her website so that you can order her books and listen to her videos and her audios and watch her experience as she was on BBC. She was picked to be on the show The World's Strictest Parents when she um, brought in two foster children from the UK, and in two weeks, I believe, she turned, she changed their lives. And so that... that episode is available on her website and you can watch 
her, and she demonstrated that strictness isn't necessarily strictness. It's being consistent. And so she was able to show these kids the power of consistency in conveying a message of love and compassion and patience and the capacity to grow and change and govern ourselves. So I hope that you'll check that out. Thank you so much once again for listening. Please subscribe on iTunes and leave a comment. Thank you so much.